What a day. I'm not talking about Michigan football. I just had a day. <laughs> so, but as promised, we have a, ooh, I almost said Saturday, Friday evening podcast. And it makes it all better because it's my favorite podcast of the week. It is the Michigan mailbag uh, normally relegated for Thursdays, but we've pushed some things back every week just because it's been the off season. Things haven't lined up as they usually do. Uh, yesterday we had Steve Lorenz talking Michigan football recruiting. So highly recommend you check that out. If you have not done so already might answer some of the questions you might already have about uh, where Michigan stands, uh, especially in the 2020 class. Cause that's pretty much all we covered. We didn't really touch the 2021, but, uh, that was a great show yesterday, but today we're going to get to your questions for the entire show. Uh, thankfully got plenty of questions. This is going to take up, uh, the entire half hour or so, or however long this ends up going. I'm not sure more or less, but we'll start with our leaders and best as we usually do here in just a moment. But remember my name, uh, this is lockdown Wolverines podcast. I should mention, uh, (laughs) part of the lockdown podcast network, your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah hole publisher of Wolverines wire through USA today, sports media group. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. All right. Leaders and best. As always, we start with James Crudup, who asked, Gaddis said, the wide receivers aren't close to being one of the best groups in the country, but have the potential and have a lot of work to do. Do you feel like that's just coach speak, or do you feel like this group is actually a long ways off from the elite of the elite? I think it's just coach speak, honestly. I mean, you don't want them to think that they are elite now. You want to, and I, I mean, I think there's work to be done. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins, uh, Nico Collins rather, didn't really do anything uh, all spring. Donovan did nothing. Nico came back near the end uh, after having had a procedure done uh, before spring ball started. So, yeah, I think I think the group is elite. I just think that I mean that's based a little bit on potential. Uh, obviously, not completely on production, but it has the potential to be elite. So I think maybe if there isn't coach speak there, it's kind of like, hey, we haven't seen it be elite yet and uh when you because when you look at it like i compared the other day in uh in the uh article that i did the uh breakdown kind of i don't remember what i called it but i said like you know looking at penn state and uh, what penn state was they still were better in the passing game than michigan was last year granted michigan did not want to be a passing team now they are so it, I think there also is that element of we have not seen Michigan have that identity yet. That is the intended identity to be a passing team uh, from everything we've heard. Uh, but uh, we still haven't seen it yet. So I do think that that is, um, you know, there is an amount of work to do for the wide receivers, not just in catching the ball, but also in blocking, especially because we don't know for sure who the number one uh, running back is going to be. So a lot of work to be done uh, still. But if you were to make me choose, are they elite or not elite, I would go with elite. That's just where I'm at. But uh, what Gaddis thinks maybe is uh, has a little bit more weight on it than than me. So Josh Barrett Jadicky asked general thoughts on Jawan Howard's staff. He sent out an offer to a top 10 2020 kid. Not something Beeline did it very often. Do you think he plans to target more of the potential one and done kids? What are the chances he lures them uh, from a more traditional, a traditional basketball? <laughs> wow, traditional, traditional basketball blue bloods. Um, the latter part, I don't know, right? Like it's, that's, I I think it's going to depend a lot on what Michigan basketball does on the court this year. And it's kind of like what Steve Lorenz alluded to with football and recruiting, you know, it's the, the results are what matters. 
Michigan never, for as much as I say that basketball team has earned a certain type of cachet due to John Beeline being the coach, they never really fully capitalized on two national championship appearances as far as recruiting is concerned. A little bit, right? Like after this last national championship appearance, Jalen Wilson, Cole Bajima, that's somewhat capitalizing it on it, but not in the way that you could, right? You know, being the runner up. I mean, you could go out there and you could go to a guy like, you know, any of those top 10, 2020 guys and say, Hey, all we're missing is you. But beeline wasn't looking for that type of player. They wasn't looking for the one and done. So I think that that's the big thing. So I do think that Juwan Howard will look to make more offers like that. I mean, he came from, they weren't one and dones, but like, you know, Chris Weber was a two and done. Juwan was out after his third year. I think he'll target more guys that are in that fold because why wouldn't he? That's the type of player and type of players he surrounded himself with as a player. It's a lot of saying player, but you get me. Um, as far as thoughts on Juwan Howard's staff, I mean, I don't know a ton aside from what I read about Phil Martelli and Howard Isley. Uh, I obviously am ecstatic that they kept Saudi Washington. Like I said, I think that was the right, if you had to pick between him and Luke Yaklich, I think that that was the guy you needed to retain. And I, from everything that I read, like, I mean, you get a head coach who's been doing it for, you know, 25 some plus years. So that's some stability. That's, you know, having someone that's got a voice that can help along a first time head coach, help him learn the ropes along with Saudi Washington. And then you get a guy like Howard Isley. That's the same deal as what Juwan was an NBA type guy. And you know what? That can have some NBA type appeal as far as recruiting is concerned. So I think it's a, I think it's a solid staff, honestly. Uh, so I guess we'll see what happens from here. Colby Murray at that only Colby. Even with Martin, Oliver Martin, suddenly transferring, I feel all the more confident with our wide receiver room. Is it safe to feel that way, or am I still talking myself into feeling confident? No, I talked about this on the podcast the other day. I think the wide receiver's room is as deep as it has ever been in Ann Arbor ever. I think that uh, even with Martin gone, I mean, you look at some of the other options. One of the guys I haven't even mentioned is Nate Shanley, a former walk-on. He's got a scholarship now. He's a guy that people close to the program have told me like he was as a freshman regularly in practice as a scout team guy burning a guy like Jordan Lewis. That's something that someone very reputable told me that I would trust said, hey, he was he burned Jordan Lewis regularly. And, you know, some injury bugs have gotten in the way, having just some other guys around there that are, you know, scholarship guys that with all the promise, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black, you know, those were guys. But remember that same, you know, that same spring game when everyone had their eyes on those two, Nico Collins, uh, when he eventually got there in the fall, but Nate Shanley was the guy who led the team in receiving. So, I mean, you've got a guy like that. You've got a guy like Ronnie Bell. Mike Sainer still was the best wide receiver as far as we could tell in the uh, in the spring game. You got some more coming in and Cornelius Johnson, Giles Jackson. I think it's, yeah, I would be very confident in the wide receiver room. I'd be more confident in the wide receiver room right now than I was back in 2004. Let me just put it that way. Because not only do you have a giant group of guys that can all perform very well. You have three guys that could be the number one wide receiver at just about any school in the country. You've also got a quarterback that can get them the ball. So it's, and then they're all on the field at the same time. So it's kind of like pick your poison. It's, it's a really, really good situation for Michigan and Ann Arbor. Clint Derringer at Clint underscore Derringer. Could we see Don Brown embrace uh, more three-man fronts with a dime look in the back this year? Seems like it alleviates some personal problems and some bad matchups we saw versus OSU. Just have to be able to go traditional for uh, for the man at all, uh, man all offensive teams. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we saw that here and there, not as much last year as the year before, but, you know, same defensive players, uh, whether it be the dime, you know, going to a 3-3-5. I mean, three-man front was a staple of 2017, but I think a lot of that was because, you know, you had Mo Hurst in the middle who could really do some things. They haven't had that guy yet that has stepped in, whether it's Michael Dwumfor, Donovan Jeter uh, this year. Uh, I think if uh, one of those guys can really emerge as being that type of guy, then they'll be way more inclined to do it. And with Ohio State, honestly, I thought it was just false bravado in in a lot of ways that kept them from doing some things. I think they just were overly confident, and I think they were scared and terrified of Dwayne Haskins running the ball because Haskins, the week before against Maryland, had his best ever, most ever carries, best ever rushing game, and what happened to Michigan the year before when Dwayne Haskins came in. It wasn't his arm that hurt Michigan. It was his legs. So I think Michigan anticipated something that didn't happen. And Ohio State capitalized on what Indiana gave them the blueprint for them the week before. So um, I do think that you'll see more of it. I just don't necessarily know to what degree yet. I think it's going to depend a lot on that middle guy. Not necessarily the nose, you know, whoever's nose, you know, in this case, it would be Carlo Kemp. But I think it's more so on that three tech. How does he perform? Can you trust him as your solitary man in the middle to cause disruption? That's the big thing. Uh, Jordan Walker, Victor is 138. Uh, if Charbonnet, Zach Charbonnet comes out ready for the season, the freshman running back, could we see some two back sets from him and Turner or does Turner have to have, uh, have the hands to maybe motion into the slot? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I'll put it that way. Uh, I think you definitely could see speed and space. I mean, yeah. And I think you're going to want to see wide receivers, sorry, running backs. We'll keep on doing that. That can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that's certainly a possibility. Uh, I, I, we've seen a couple. There were a couple sets. Not not that I noticed as much in the spring game as much as the practice the week before where the, there were two backs. Uh, yes, I could see it. Uh, do I think it will be, be a staple? I have no idea. Uh, also asks, same, uh, also Jordan Walker asks, does Michigan have a 1,000-yard receiver this year or will the oversaturation of talent hurt individual numbers for players? No, I think they have one. Jerry Judy had over a thousand yards, like 1400 yards last year. And they, Alabama has a similar issue with a ton of wideouts and a really good quarterback. So yes, I think, I think you'll see at least one guy be the guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see two hover around a thousand instead of one 1400 and the next one at like 800. Uh, I'd be, wouldn't be surprised if you saw something like 1100, 1000 and 800. If things go to plan, I mean, obviously we're talking record setting, but guess what? I predicted Michigan to have a record setting passing game this year. So there's that. Finishing out the segment, Trent Noop at Trent Noop. Uh, who will be the biggest X factor for Michigan's defense this season? Uh, I'd say uh, Josh Ross, middle linebacker. Uh, how much is he going to be able to command the defense? How much is he going to be able to essentially play with the type of tenacity that Devin Bush did? I don't think he'll be asked to play like Devin Bush, but I guess being asked to be a, like a better Ben Gedeon. How much is he able to do that? He didn't get didn't get to participate this spring, so we'll see. I think that that's a he's definitely the X factor more than anybody else. I feel confident in the back four, no matter who that other safety ends up being, whether it's Daxton Hill, Jamaric Woods. Uh, I'm questionable about the front four, but it's not because of the players. It's not because of the you know new coach. It's kind of all of the above. A lot of question marks there. Question marks in the linebacking core, but. I think that if Josh Ross comes out to play, he erases a lot of those potential issues. 
All right. Shirt shouldn't wrinkle. Itch or sweat. It's 2019. Twillery makes uh, stocking up your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge. Easy, affordable, and the perfect fit. Guaranteed. Uh, they offer non-iron, untuckable, and uh, performance dress shirts for as low as $55 each. So when you bundle four or more, that is. With free shipping and returns, try on some Twills. Risk-free, after all feeling, is believing. Smart Casual just got smarter and cheaper. Twillery brings performance work shirts to the next level with four-way stretch material that shuts down wrinkles, stops sweat, and keeps you looking and feeling cool. For as low as $55 a pop, when you bundle four or more and free shipping slash returns, it's top value in smart workwear. Grab them here. www.twillery.com slash locked on. Promo code for $25 off is locked on. Limited time Father's Day special. Enjoy a free set of bottle opener collar stays. Only valid until June 16th. Up next, more of your questions. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we're back. More of your questions. Somehow I only put three questions in this second segment. I don't know why I, uh, I front-loaded everything, but uh, good news for me, bad news for you, <laughs> I guess. Um, anyhow, starting out with Gray March, at Gray March, uh, is a bad football season the only way that UM Regents would ever consider firing Ward Manual? Um, I don't think that even a bad football season would warrant Michigan's Regents to fire Ward Manual. Number one, Ward Manuel didn't hire Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh was the hottest coach in all of football, not just college, but NFL. Continues to get the NFL attention. If there's a bad football season, that's not on Ward Manuel. That's on Jim Harbaugh. So, no, um, I don't think that there's any... It would take a scandal to fire Ward Manuel. I don't know why people are even questioning Ward Manuel that much. I mean, yes, I questioned him about the Juwan Howard hire, I feel better about it after the staff additions, but questioning him is not, I'm, I'm not saying like, I'm like, what is Ward doing? I'm not even there. Right. I'm like, that's one way you could go. Maybe not the way I would have, but I also don't know what the conversations behind closed doors were. So I don't think aside from a scandal that a bad football season's how Ward Manuel would get fired. I think Ward has built up a lot of cachet. He's done a lot of really good things. It's everything's profitable as ever. Uh, he's got the trust of a lot of people. Uh, it isn't the Dave Brandon show anymore. You know, it's, I, I think that he's got a lot of trust and I think it would take a lot of bad to happen. Bad football, bad basketball, bad hockey and a scandal. That's my opinion there. Todd Shipper at Todd Shipper. With the lack of depth at running back, are we going to see the pass truly set up the run? Uh, will we have the truck that has been Mason set up for blocking a short yardage uh, run pass option? I would imagine that you'll see Ben Mason still. I mean, he's still at fullback. There's not as much. And, and they've talked about short yardage such, you know, stuff. He's at running back as well. I think he's going to end up being more involved at three technique just because it just seems like that's the case. 
Uh, maybe some defensive end, but, you know, fall camp's a little ways away. We'll see what they end up going with there. And to your point of the lack of depth at running back, I don't think there's a lack of depth. There was a lack of depth in the spring because every running back that wasn't named True Wilson was out. Obviously, Chris well, Evans is not in anymore because he's suspended for a year. But, I mean, I don't think there's a lack of depth. There's a lack of proven depth, aside from True Wilson. True Wilson had a higher yard per carry average. Granted, he did not, you know, didn't carry as much and all of that uh, as Cron uh, Higdon. Almost carried as much as Chris Evans and had a higher average yards per carry. Uh, he, uh, so I think he's proven. But uh, Christian Turner's not proven yet, but I th- think he's probably right now the number one guy. Zach Charbonnet, I think, could be the number one guy by the time it's all said and done. Hassan Haskins is finally set and staying at running back. Ben Van Sumeren showed you some things for sure in the spring game. Uh, so you've got some, you know, you've got a decent amount of depth. It's just a lot of unproven. Um, so I don't think there's a lack, but do we, do I think the pass will truly set up the run? I think that they'll, they'll find different ways. I don't think one's going to set up the other per se in a consistent basis. I think if they're running the ball, they'll continue running the ball. I think that they're passing the ball, they'll continue passing the ball. Do I think that they'll try to be a passing team first? Yes. But with RPOs, the quarterback run, with all of that stuff, I think they're just going to try to keep teams off balance no matter what. I don't think it's going to matter if it's pass, run, whatever. I think they're just going to try to keep keep teams off balance as much as possible. Nathan Franks, E-T-A-N-S-K, which is Nate spelled backwards, I just recognized. Um, good for me. I'm an, I'm an idiot. Sorry. What is a position group that we could see someone or a couple of people arise that no one's talking about? And I think that's actually defensive line, uh, because I think that that's the most boomer bust position in the entire team right now, because I could see a situation where they take a massive step back without having the guys that they've had out there. I mean, Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary were excellent, uh, People don't give Brian Monet enough credit, I don't think. You know, so like especially in the run game. So I and you know Aubrey Solomon's not there. I mean, no, I know he was very limited last year. Didn't get to see his full true potential. But I think with the group that they have, I think Carlo Kemp is the only one that I look at and say he's steady Eddie as far as like his production. Uh, you know, Quiddy Pay played very well in bursts. Aiden Hutchinson played very well in bursts, especially early in the season. Um, and he just looks marginal, you know, not marginally, but just massive right now. Um, you got guys like Mike Dana coming in. Luigi Villain is a complete unknown, but I have a lot of faith that he's going to come in and be like a big time player. Um, I don't know yet what, you know, Michael Duwam for who had lingering injuries all spring. How is he going to look? How's Donovan Jeter has been getting all kinds of hype. How is he going to look? It looks like they've got enough guys to do like a true two deep, uh, to have a full eight man rotation, maybe even more. But I also wouldn't be surprised if there was only four guys that were just like consistently good. We just don't know. So that's where I think you can see some definite improvement. We just don't know a lot. So anyway, that's it for segment two. Shorter because uh, I put things uh, in a weird order, and I think there's only what four questions maybe five in the next segment so ending maybe early he says before he talks way too much um as usual 
Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Wolverines on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Wolverines. Finishing up with your Michigan questions. All right. We are back, and let's finish out. There is five questions, so probably still go the full length. Uh, but a couple of them, maybe won't, because the, I set up the first couple as uh, ones where I'm just shrug. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Jordan Eggleston, one of them. J.W. Eggleston, seven. Seeing some uh, crystal balls for Eamon Dennis. Uh, do you think this is for offense or defense? I have not really followed his recruitment. I'm not going to pretend like I have. So, question mark? You know, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to James Yoder you and pretend that I know what I'm talking about when I don't. And I just I haven't been following his recruitment. Sorry. There's there's guys that I, I you know, I've been pretty adamant all, all the way through this recruiting cycle that I have not followed it the way I have 2016 forward. I just haven't. I'm starting to get there. We'll probably be there by the end of this month. I think I'll probably have a pretty pretty good idea of exactly where Michigan is in, in total. Probably know exactly what's going on. But as of right now, some of these guys, I have no idea. I just haven't followed him. Brian Hall, 15BS Hall, 97. Did you get a chance to read the athletic article on Josh Gaddis? If you did, what are your thoughts? It seems like Michigan got a steal for a first-time OC. I did not because I do not subscribe to the athletic. But... I do think Michigan got a steal for a first-time OC. I mean, obviously, he was headed to Maryland as the offensive coordinator and Michigan not swooped in. He very well could have been the heir apparent at Alabama uh, if, uh, you know, neither of the others, <laughs> you know. I think Alabama wanted to retain him based off of, you know, the stories that we heard from him and whatever. Nick Saban was none too happy about his departure. So, I th- yes, I do think Michigan got a steal. I mean, he's coming as a co- coming in as a co-offensive coordinator. From Alabama. And it wasn't a Doug Nussmeyer situation where Nick Saban was fine letting Doug Nussmeyer walk. Yes, it seemed like it was a big deal for Michigan at the time. And everyone tried to pretend like, yeah, everyone wanted Doug Nussmeyer. You know, like Alabama still wanted Doug Nussmeyer. But no, they moved on quick. Who was this that they went on to? That was, what, 2014. I can't remember offhand now. They fell upwards, though, right? Was it, it wasn't Steve Sarkeesian, was it? I don't remember. That era of college football, I have tried to erase from my memory, except for uh, Jesus Girls and Marcus Mariota, <laughs> if anyone remembers that moment from Oregon. Jay Scarlow at Jay Scarlow asks, would a Big Ten title and win over Ohio State instantly legitimize Michigan's national reputation? Is it really that simple? Seems to be all James Franklin needed for Penn State. Yeah, I think... Because I, I think Michigan's national reputation should be worlds better than it is. Because three 10-win seasons is nothing to scoff at. Yeah, you've lost to Ohio State all four years that Jim Harbaugh has been here. But you should have won at least one of those. Yeah, two of them, they weren't winning. 2015, 2019, unfortunately, they weren't winning. I mean, they could have, or 2018, rather. 2018, they probably could have put on a better show if there wasn't some... Uh, I mean, I, I stand by it. I think that I, I think remember think not no think there was just some arrogance there. 
hearing a little bit of your own hype in Ohio State, you know, I think they knew that staff knew Urban was this was the last shot. You know, there was a lot there. I think they saw the opportunity and ran with it. Indiana gave them the blueprint, but 2016 Michigan, you can't convince me Michigan didn't win that game. Yeah, it didn't end up going that way, but no one in that stadium thought Ohio State won that game. Everyone in that stadium thought that JT was short. So, unfortunately, that's not how it ended up being called. There were a lot of questionable calls that aided the Buckeyes in that game, and unfortunately, it went against Michigan. But yes, to that degree, Michigan wins a Big Ten title, gets the win over Ohio State. Yes, I think it instantly legitimizes Michigan's national reputation. They go to the college football playoff. Then yes, I think that suddenly the Harbaugh hype train is off the rails in a good way. I mean, they already, you know, you already see like Athlon saying Michigan's the number four team. So, I mean, I think that they already have a very good national reputation. They tend to get that type of view. They were getting it even in like 2014. I remember after that Appalachian State game, listening on the radio, hearing uh, Kirk Herbstreet say like, hey, I think that Michigan is in just a prime position. <laughs> and how did that turn out? Five and seven. Now, they would have used Devin Gardner correctly. Things could have been different, but that's another story for another day. The victors, Andrew at underscore Gatham. Who do you predict Michigan football to lose to before Ohio State? Honestly, I don't have anything as a loss before then. I think there's some coin flip games in there, but I don't. I'm. I think that Michigan should be able to handle Army, even though I think that's going to be a tougher game than people in, anticipate. I think that Michigan will handle Wisconsin and Penn State on the road because I think those two teams are losing too much to be able to contend. Uh, I think Iowa might be tough, but kind of a similar deal. It's in Ann Arbor plus. Michigan State, we're going to have Justin Rose on here sometime maybe next week to talk about why he's supremely confident Michigan State will beat Michigan. I just don't see it. I really don't. I think Michigan is just... I think Michigan State is where Michigan was coming out of 2017. And I think Michigan is essentially where Ohio State was going 2018 to 2019. I just think that Michigan is better. I think they have better personnel top to bottom. That's the biggest thing. I think they have a willingness to use that personnel way more than Michigan State. I think Michigan State's defense is going to be very good. But remember, Michigan got like 400 yards against their awesome defense last year. Michigan State's defense could be better. Pretty much everybody returning. No Justin Lane, though. Some question marks a little bit. You can sit there and say a healthy Brian Lewerke would beat would have beaten you last year, but there is zero evidence to support that fact. Who is it? Who were his wide receivers this year? Cody White, Cam Chambers. Have we seen them really break out? Who's their running back this year? Cam Hayward has shown bursts of stuff, but I don't know. I, I I just don't think that that's... I think that Michigan has, on paper, just a much better team. A much better team. I think Michigan wins by at least 10 in that game. It's at home as well. I know that hasn't worked out for Michigan yet in this rivalry since Harbaugh took over, but I just think Michigan wins that game. Notre Dame, coin flip. I mean, giving it to the home team. And then Ohio State, like I've said before, I think that uh, I can't pick Michigan to win until they win. Ohio State is like 
five and six going into that game. I'm still picking Ohio State to win until Michigan does it because I've been burnt. So Ryan Hartley at Ryan Hartley to finish us out. What position do you believe is the biggest concern for Michigan's 2019? And I kind of already answered this. It's the it's the defensive line. Uh, just because it's a boomer bust position. And uh, right behind it, though, is linebacker. Just because there's, I think Devin, you know, Devin Gill's got the experience. He's got a year and a half under his belt. That's good. Cleek Hudson, two years of experience, disappeared last year, I think, in large part just due to the targeting stuff, honestly. I think that just played with his head a little bit. We don't know what Josh Ross is going to be. We don't know. Are we going to see Jordan Anthony? Are we going to see uh, Cam McGrone? How is it all going to shake out? Michael Barrett, Viper, a lot of questions. Not as many as the defensive line, who I just think is... Guys got more, because there's more unproven talent there. Not by much, but I'd say that. Offense, I just feel confident across the board. I would be shocked if the offense doesn't look amazing this year. Like, I would... And by amazing, I'll say the best that Jim Harbaugh has fielded here in Ann Arbor. Because... Let's face it, 2015, 2016 were some pretty good offenses. 2015 took a minute to get rolling, finally did. 2016 was solid until that Iowa game. The offense was great until that Iowa game. People don't want to believe it sometimes. That's true. All right, uh, we'll see if we have a Saturday show. I'm going to try for one. I'm not sure what we'll uh, talk about, but I'm going to try for one. I know I had some things written down, so hopefully that happens. But for the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. You can find me online at Isaiah Hole. Follow the podcast at On Wolverines, Wolverines Wire at Wolverines Wire. If you would like to be a featured sponsor on the show, please email me at LockdownWolverines at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Himalaya, wherever you get your podcasts, or online at WolverinesWire.usatoday.com, where we post our daily podcasts every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Lockdown Wolverines, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.